The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with them. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his garments. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who, who said, Your daughter, she is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and she began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated.
Well, dear saints, much like Jairus and the desperate, bleeding woman, we have all found ourselves in times of little hope. We've all been in dark places. And what does it mean to be in despair or down in the pits, in a slump? One setback after another until we've been knocked down so often and so low that you don't feel like it could possibly get any worse. You know where you want to be or how you want to feel, but you can't get there from where you're at right now. You feel helpless, desperate, and even hopeless. In the book of Genesis, Joseph was thrown down into a dark place. His own brothers threw him down into a pit. And someone had to pull him up. The trade-off was being sold into slavery. Though this did eventually lead him to be a ruler of a great nation. God turned his slump, his despair, his being in the pit into something good. And he gave his dark times purpose. So I ask you the question, can you find purpose in your own dark times? It does perhaps seem simpler to emotionally give up in our darkest times, to sink deeper, to drop our heads and only see our situations for the current state that we are in. What if, though? Our dark times, the troubles that we do face are meant to make us look up, to look beyond our current tribulations. What happens when we do look up and extend our arms out for help? God will pull you out every single time. But I caution, do not think that there will be a trade-off with God of servitude. Remember, he means well for you. Jesus told his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you my friends. John 15, 15. God's mercy may be dependent upon even in times of our trouble. Confess and repent, dear sinner. Make the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Then there it is fresh and dependable as the morning sun. We will be tested from time to time, sometimes severely, but there are times for us to shine in our grace. And this is when our little may become God's bounty. Have a little faith and know the wellness of God's peace. Now our scripture readings today are filled with Grief and sadness, being down in the dumps, being in the pits, dark places. But they're also filled with compassion and joy. And the common thread is that those who take complaints should be patient, for the Lord is merciful. Though God may have allowed or permitted some grief and despair, he will not allow these things to transpire without good to come out of them. Light will shine in these dark places by his grace. 
But isn't that hard to accept? We've all had terrible and horrible days where we just maybe wanted to go back a bit, back to bed and try again tomorrow. And there's something to be said for a good night's rest and the new beginning, the new hope that a sunrise offers us each day. God's love for his people is sure as tomorrow's sunrise. In the verse of our Old Testament reading from Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah, he, is, he has just finished his lament about the suffering that he endured because of his disobedience to the Lord. Now he lists the reason for his hope, namely God's steadfast love that never ends. God's loyalty to those he loves is limitless. Even though there are consequences for sin, God's love is based on his everlasting covenant with his people, his promise. Scripture proclaims the fresh start God gives us each day by saying his mercies are new every morning. But why is it so hard for us to imagine that there is nothing that we can do to break God's love for us? Is it because we're so prone to fail at loving others ourselves? So we utilize ourselves, our own experiences and failures to measure an incomprehensible love and try to place conditions on the unconditional this passage, this passage in Lamentation contains some of the most beautiful promises in all of the Bible. Yet it's nestled right in there in the most heartbroken longings for what has been lost as the consequences of God's people not listening to him. God gave his commands for the purpose of blessing to protect the gifts that he freely gives, to protect relationships with one another, but specifically relationships with himself. He wants undivided loyalty to him because that is the fullness of life. Putting first things first, making the main thing the main thing, to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. But again and again, Israel, they didn't listen to God. They didn't trust him. They followed their heart's desire rather than what God desired for them. They trusted in the idols of their surrounding nations. Idols can't hear and can't speak. They can't save and they can't mediate life like the one true God does for us. And so God brought judgment upon Israel through a foreign nation, Babylon. And Babylon destroyed Jerusalem and raided its temple. The people had been taken captive. God promised to dwell in the temple so that his people could have access to his favor and blessings there. But it was taken away. God has turned his back on his people for turning their back on him. And so right at the beginning of the book of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah, he laments how deserted lies the city, one so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among all nations. 
She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Imagine the questions that were likely in the minds of God's people. Is God still our God? Are we still his people? How can we be right with him again? How can we go back to what we had before? Is there any hope for us? Now, unlike Israel, we might not worship literal idols, but it's just as easy for us to follow our hearts and reason above God's word. And God allows harsh consequences to happen to us. But Lamentations teaches us an important lesson. God's judgment is always in order to save your salvation, your eternal life. Like a parent disciplining their child who plays with matches or runs across the road, God's discipline is to turn us from what would harm us Ultimately, whatever is contrary to his word, for when our spirit is broken, we flee to God for refuge because there is nowhere else for us to go. At least that is God's intent for us so that he can forgive and bless and restore us him alone. God's love for us is not based on our performance He just loves us. His love, it's without condition. He is always willing to forgive. And that is true love. That is steadfast love. Now, God, he did restore Israel. He led them back to their land. They rebuilt the temple. He dwelt with them again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Great is his faithfulness, even in the face of human unfaithfulness to him. God does demand his holiness to be taken seriously. And what is it in our lives that our guilty conscience leads us to ask those exact same questions? Is God still our God? Are we still his people? How can we be right with him again? How can we go back to what we had before? Is there any hope for us? And here are the answers to those questions in our text from Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When we get to a point in our lives where we recognize that all we need is God, like Jeremiah did, how much sweeter is our relationship with the Lord? Because of God's love for us, we are not consumed. We are not forsaken. It was his own son, Jesus Christ, who was. In Jesus, the perfectly obedient, righteous, holy, and innocent Son of God, God punished sin once and for all, and he redeemed the world by his precious blood. And for a time, God turned his back on his own Son so that he would never 
abandon his people again. On the cross, Jesus prayed Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ crucified is our saving sacrifice, our salvation, our righteousness and our holiness. So that no matter what rages around us and within us, we have the sure hope of God's word. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the gospel reading for today, two great healings were revealed and witnessed to us. That being said, I would ask you to pay close attention to what exactly Jesus proclaims to the unclean woman after she touches him. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. First, he calls her one of his own daughter, a chosen and adopted and anointed child of God. And then he proclaims, your faith has made you well. Not the touching, no magical healing was transferred, but her recognition, recognition of the source of all that she needed in him. She lifted her arms to the source and was provided for. You see, more specifically, it wasn't just her faith that healed her, but it was her faith in Jesus. The faith that was given to her from Christ. And the book of Ephesians tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. By the grace of God who gifts us this faith. This woman, she simply couldn't have healed herself by her own will. Her own faith. Or if she could, then she would have healed herself a long time before that. Twelve years of bleeding and hemorrhaging. It is not that God isn't concerned with our ailments or our dark places, but we must know what his priority is and what truly makes us well. And not just a temporal wellness, but eternal salvation in and with him. Our wellness is his reconciliation by grace through faith in him, which gives us peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In a letter to Hans Luther, in February of 1530, just three months Prior to his father's death, Martin Luther wrote, Let your heart be strong and at ease in your trouble, for we have yonder a true mediator with God, Jesus Christ. He has such great power over sin and death that they cannot harm us. And he is so heartily true and kind that he cannot and will not forsake us at least if we ask his help without doubting. 
Dear saints, we are as dead as the daughter of Jairus. We're dead in our sins, but we too will be resurrected. So look up. Look up and have faith in that promise, in that covenant, the promise of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Repent. Turn away from the dark places and the evil foe whom whispers doubts into your ears. This is not about you. You are not a victim. The good news, the gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified for you. Look up. Do not fear. Only believe. Have faith in that promise, in his covenant, and allow the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, to guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now go in peace and be healed of your disease. Amen.